So the example that I want to give is if somebody has a sewer pipe that breaks in their basement and it starts filling up their entire basement with dirty, disgusting sewer water, and then it starts creeping up on the second, on the first floor, the main floor, and it's going over the kitchen cabinets, it's going to end up drowning the house, causing a lot of damage. So you go for advice and they tell you what to do and you take buckets and you throw it out the window and you just start you know, trying to empty out the second floor. And that's of course working very hard. But as we know, if the pipe is broken, it's always going to continue to cause more problems and it's always going to continue to get higher and higher. And as much as you try to get the water out of your house, there's water constantly being pumped in the house. So my advice is drop the buckets, stop focusing on the symptoms and the result, even though there's tremendous damage that's happening, and dive into the sewer, into the dirty water, all the way down, 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 and try to find the shirish, the root, the problem, the pipe that's broken. And even if you're not a professional plumber that you can replace it, but you try to find something to bandage, bandage it up and to, as much as you can, get it to stop pouring out dirty, disgusting water. Even if you stop at 10%, 20%, 30%, as much as you can. And while you're doing that, people are going to say, but what do you mean? You're not doing anything about the, the water that's <coughs> in the dining room, that's in the kitchen, and it's destroying the den, and this is happening, and that is happening. And it looks like you're not doing anything, but you're really doing something more important, which is you're getting, trying to get to the shirish of the problems that's causing all of this. So I always get new calls from people, and they're busy doing they're so busy, like the people with the buckets. But everything that they're doing is not only it's not helping, because it can't help, it's actually causing tremendous damage. So when I start to just tell them, listen, don't do anything right now, then they say, what do you mean? Should do nothing? We're going to let her uh, walk around the house like that? We're going to let him have his DVD player? We should do nothing? We're a shmata? They're so worried about that. And I try to explain them that all of this that's happening now at these teenage or older years is because deep down, deep down, there's a pipe that's broken. And we got to get down to the shayrish and focus on healing the part that's broken. Otherwise, you spend all of your energy and money and time on dealing with the symptoms. I'll give you an example. Uh, Rav called me up today and said, what do I do? There's parents of a kip, but they don't come to me, but they're very good, and supposedly and loving, and the kid brought treif and is making their, their kitchen treif. What should, what should they do? How do they deal with the kid? So I said, listen, we have 300, almost 300 families who came to me with their problems, and I, take, I try to take the worst cases, right? So you would imagine that I probably had this problem 295 times, that I should know what to do. The truth is, I don't think we ever had that problem, Maybe once there was an accident, maybe once there was a misunderstanding, but I'm not living in those problems. And then I realized that there's a lot of other things going on out there in the world which parents are dealing with these bad, terrible kids, and, and they're, they're struggling. What do I do? He did this terrible thing, he did that. And I realized we're really not dealing with a lot of the problems that are out there. Doesn't mean we don't have issues and problems, but we don't have those problems. What do you do when the kid lifts a hammer? I got a call. The kid lifted a hammer, Chassidisha family in Muncie, to hit his father. 
And the other kids are screaming. Half of them are saying, just give him what he wants. You know, stop fighting with the boy. The other rest of them are scared. Get rid of him. Call the police. What do you do? He said, honestly, we never had to call Shomrim. None of the TP parents had to call Shomrim, had to call Hatzalah. I mean, Hatzalah we had sometimes was called very, very, even that very little. But yeah, we're dealing with highly dangerous cases, but we never called, we don't need Shomrim. But meanwhile, Shomrim and Atzala are being called weekly for domestic violence and parents fighting with each other, father um, you know, beating up a kid, a kid beating up a father. We had parents here in TP that before they came to me, a few years before, the kid swung, broke his father's jaw. The kid stole an axe that the father had to chop down little trees, you know, just sending a message to the parents, I have the axe. I said, wow, that's an incentive to be nice to him. Right? you got to think twice before you yell and scream at a kid when you know that he has an axe. And you hear all these kind of stories, Shomrim and guys, and it's all. And the truth is, i got to say, I'm, not, I'm pretty busy, but I'm pretty much, I'm not so crazy busy. They say, based on my workload, how come Shabbos is my phone on? Say, I would, you know, if I had to, I would get a psak, keep it on. But you know what? Our people are basically calm. Our people are basically happy. Now, we have a lot of problems doing Kiruv. We have to deal with dogs in the house. We have to deal with things happening. But there's no enemy. There's no screaming, yelling. There's none of that negativity and stuff. We have other problems because the kids are sick. The kids are messed up. The kids are really dysfunctional. We have kids who are suicidal. doesn't mean this is easy. But we have a choice to put down the buckets, right? Stop dealing with the symptoms. I must tell her she can't walk around like that. I must tell him he has to this. And I must, I must, I must. You can't, you can't, you can't. We got to drop the rules, the guidelines, and the consequences when they're not working, because these kids are messed up to a degree where it's not going to work. And we have to dive into the sewer, into the sewage. It's a very the, the TP parents who have done it and have been matzliach look back and they say, "Wow, this is a dirty job. You can't keep your head clean in this job. You've got to get in there, find the source, the source of, that is making these kids act so bad." And that's how you heal a lot of the damage that was done to them. All of these kids have no self-esteem. So that's what they have in common. And I'm not saying it from a therapist's point of view because I'm not a therapist. I was never trained. Growing up, we never heard the word self and, and esteem put together. There was maybe a self and there was something called esteem, like turn on the steam when it's cold. But self-esteem never existed. Self-worth, nobody monitored these things. So I'm not saying it from a Therapy. When I used to hear it in speeches, I was very turned off. What's your self-esteem? Your self-esteem? Come on. But now I'm talking about on a practical level. Somebody that, that doesn't believe that they have any value. And they failed in, in the life that they were put down on. If you were put down in a, in a legal family where everyone is in law and you don't have a head for that, you feel like a failure. Even if you're a very good artist. Even if you're a very good motorcycle, bicycle guy. But in the life that you were given... These kids failed for whatever reason. In the life that they were given, that's, that they know ingrained in them what, what is called success, and they're not it. So they're worthless. They feel worthless, right? So when you feel worthless, then that is a hole in your heart, as Rip Shimon Russell says. You have a hole in the heart. And therefore, all these problems, drugs, girls, anything, gangs, anything that's going to make you feel good, because they need it so bad, right? They need temporary pleasure, because 
they can't get permanent pleasure. They can't get permanent happiness. Rabbi Shimon speaks about this, that there's something called temporary pleasure and something called permanent happiness. We, we are supposed to give up temporary pleasure for permanent happiness. That's what we're supposed to do. We want to do something short-term pleasure, we give it up because we're building a life, we want to have a family, we want to be in Olam Haba, whatever it is. We give up short-term pleasure for long-term happiness. But what happens if you can't have long-term happiness and you give up that you will ever have long-term happiness? You feel worthless, no normal person's going to marry me, I'm damaged goods, I can't be successful in this world. So if you don't have long-term happiness that is in front of you as a goal, as something that you can attain, then all you can do is short-term pleasure. And someone's going to say, oh, it's so stupid, you got high, you don't want to end up like a drug addict. I don't know about what, what I want to end up at. All I know is I'm in pain now, and I don't have something strong enough in my future that tells me that I can't do this now, give it up for the future, because I don't have a future. And you know, this is a story that happened with me where a kid got a tattoo. He told me, I'm sorry, he told me he's getting a tattoo. So I told him, look, if you're going to get a tattoo, I couldn't talk him out of it, obviously. I said, don't get it in a place like on your arm, on your face, on your neck, where people are going to see it. Get it like in a hidden place, you know, on your back or someplace that you can cover up with your, your, your T-shirt, your undershirt. Because, you know, one day you're going to have a wife and kids and you don't want to have to explain all of this. And he looked at me and he says, what one day? And then I'm thinking like, ah, he has no future. He doesn't think he has a one day. He wants to die now. And a lot of these kids, if they, if they were told that, by the way, tomorrow morning, you're not getting up. No pain, you're just not getting up. They would be so relieved. So really, Baruch Hashem. I don't say Baruch Hashem. But they would say, thank whatever, that I don't have to go through another day of pain. A lot of these kids are in so much pain. And they're losers. And even when they look like they're happy, they're not happy. They look like they're trying to make, yeah, and I'm proud, and I'm an atheist, and I don't care, and I'm F you. And the bottom line is it's a bracha. They have, no, they have no future to be successful. They see their older brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles happy, building a life, living for a reason. And these were our best, smartest, sweet kids. And now they're, they're broken. So they're brought up in a family where the marathon is the most important thing. And they were running five, six, seven, eight, nine. And somebody else took a hammer, busted their knee. And now they, they can't be successful in this life. So they feel like idiots. They feel like losers. They try different things, and we keep on giving them the impression, yeah, you, know, you can try that, but really running the marathon is really what it's all about. And they can't run the marathon. So they're stuck looking for someone who will accept me, who will accept me, who will accept me. I got a call from a family, a very big therapist that's working with a family, and the boy is from a very chesidish environment, and he's not a bad kid. He tells me, the therapist, he's not a bad kid. I'm like, yeah, I know he's not. He's a smart kid, a good kid, but he needs a place in Flatbush to live. He can't live at home, and etc., etc., etc. That is a typical example of leaving the sewer pipe broken and having 50 people come over to your second floor with pails to work really hard on the symptom. And I told him, this is what I did in Home Sweet Home. We needed dozens of guys, $100,000 a year budget, because no one got paid salary. Can you imagine what salaries? It would have been $300,000. It would have been unlimited for two, three guys a year to rehabilitate them, to, to, to do what we needed to do with them. It cost us so much time and effort for each kid. That's dealing with the symptom, because you don't have a home. But if the shayrish 
the sewer pipe that's broken gets bandaged, if the family says, we want you living home and does the things that you need to do to make him comfortable, then Klal Yisrael will save hundreds of thousands of dollars on this kid. And he won't need people taking him in and then taking him out and giving him a job and all the money. we got to settle him. It takes so much work. I always used to say in Home Sweet Home, you know, I, I wish I, work, I worked for the other side, for the Sitra Acher. It's much easier. One cowboy goes on a horse and he runs down the mountain and a hundred cows follow. But you know how many cowboys it takes to carry a cow uphill? We had to carry, we needed 50 guys involved. Shabbos hosts and weekday, every minute of every day, pouring in money and fun and time to carry one guy to go up. Go off to there to pull him down, it's so easy. Maybe I can get a job in, uh, yeah, over there. I'll work for them. It's much easier to schlep people down. So we have kids who are homeless, and then we have Klal Yisrael spending good people therapy, and we have to raise money. A guy called me today. He needs $17,000. He's sending a kid who's not living at home to therapy, and, and the, the therapist, a very hush of a trauma therapist, is willing to see him, but he knows there's never money, so he wants money up front, and he's collecting. He needs to make sure, and it doesn't pay to start. It's $17,000 he needs today. Our kids are. Bottom line. Seven, now, I'm not saying our kids don't need trauma therapy, but a lot of the therapy that this kid needed is because he doesn't have a home. Why doesn't he have a home? Because the parents are busy with the buckets and worrying about this and that and not fixing the shirish, the sewer pipe that is broken. So what we're trying to do here is ignore how bad the kid is, ignore the symptoms that happen when you have a broken sewer pipe, and instead of saying, Oy vey, look, the kitchen is now all, all, all full of water. Oh, look, the water, the water is now going into the living room. That's meaningless. Right? When parents tell me, look how bad the kid is. Look how bad the kid is. Right, that's how bad the kid is. That's how much his cancer is. That's how much he needs your refuah. You don't go to that person in the hospital and tell the doctor, Oyve, look how bad he is. Okay, so come for chemo. No, 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 look how bad he is. He's over. That's why he needs, he needs medicine. We only have one medicine. The Baal Shem Tev said the medicine is to love them more. The Chazanish said... Yenasu l'mashcham ba'avaisais ahava is ropes of love. It doesn't mean avoiding them and just being nice and proper. Avaisais ahava is ropes of love. Every compliment, every boost is trying to be avaisais ropes of love around what? Around the source of them that's broken. The Baal Shem Tev didn't say deal with, make rules in your house and then, and then in case this happens, worry about it. He wasn't interested. He said go to the source. What should you do? Children, atheists, off the derech, love them more. Because that's the, the, the medicine for the real source of the problem. Reb Gershon Edelstein, he's a Shiva of Panovich? He's a Rosh Shiva of Panovich. And he writes, he says, guess what? It's the only medicine. The only medicine for these kids is to love them. And that's not the chesidish thing, right? There's a Panovich. And all, wherever you look, it says, love, 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 love. So the, when you don't love properly, of course bad things are going to happen. Because the sewer pipe is broken. But instead of complaining about the new symptom, the new girlfriend, the new boyfriend, the new this, the new that, the new dog, the six, two dogs, eight dogs, twelve dogs, and this problem and that problem and the other problem, realize that when you get upset by the pain, that he needs more medicine. And there's always more medicine to give. Both parents have to give. Make your nafshay kshura benafshay 
up to 100%. And that's really what TP is about. It's benafshay, kshura benafshay. And there's no question that a kid who has real connection, real love, not acceptance, it's a deep, loyal connection where you're boosting each other and complimenting him, and you use that respirator to channel in a tremendous amount of boosting of their self-esteem from both mother and father, most of the problems that you hear about are like almost not shy to happen. It's almost not shy to happen. And that's how we get to the source of the problem and avoid other problems. But it requires not just love and acceptance. It requires boosting and spending time and being their cheering squad. I mean, look at Home Sweet Home. I don't think anybody as parents can do what 50 people in Home Sweet Home did. But on the other hand, you can. You know why? Because you're their parents. So it counts much more. What did we do? We took in guys into Home Sweet Home. In order to get in, you had to be on drugs. Mechal Shabbos Befer That was the Bechina. We had some people who failed. <laughs> You know, they, and I said, okay, when you can, when you can reach the goal of Fahesia, you know, you can come back and take another fair. You know, they would come, the fair would be on Shabbos, and they would have to light him. No, I'm kidding. All right. So, but that's what it was. We took really kids who were gone, who were on the street, who were not living at home, who had a history of years of drugs, right? And and we, what did we do? We showed them that we bo- we boosted their self-esteem. We said, you are the most important thing in my life. And the truth is, once I took it on. I used to think, like, my success, me, Avi, depends on this little schnook. Because if this little schnook doesn't start getting his life together, I'm a failure. So every time a new kid came in, you know, besides the fact that I really did mean L'Shem Shemayim, and I really did care about these kids, but it's my reputation. I'm a failure. In Home Sweet Home's a failure, right, which makes it very hard to function. If this new kid, right, the, the 20th kid and the 25th grade, each kid is a new crazy kid, doesn't settle down and, and behave. If a kid has to get thrown out or a kid becomes suicidal or a kid goes back on drugs, I'm the failure. You know what I mean? That's it. The pressure was on me. And I was so happy when they graduated and we did so well with them. But what we didn't expect is that they all became from. 90% of them graduated Shemitah Mitzvahs in one year. So how does it happen that a kid comes in hating Judaism, which was part of the requirement, a failure, hating Yiddishkeit, atheist, or, you know, Mechal Shabbos and doing drugs, stops the drugs on the day they move in, which doesn't make any sense to anybody, because it's never been done, and they're all clean, from the ones who moved in, um, to the best of my knowledge. The one who moved in 11 years ago was clean 11 years. 10 years ago, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, they, none of them went back to being street kid, or that whole life, that whole mentality. Um, and I think actually one of them that I'm concerned about, but the rest of them are mamish amazing, and 90% of them left with hats and jackets, and, and it's not that the hat and jacket it matters, but it matters because that's where they came from. And you, if you can dress like where you came from, right, that shows that the pain of being rejected from where you came from was healed. The fact that you can look like the people who rejected you is fantastic. What did we do? We put them on our shoulders, and we made sure that we could not forget about them. There was no such thing as, oh, I forgot. I have somebody in Home Sweet Home. I forgot to bring them supper. Oh, I forgot who's going to take them out tonight. Oh, I forgot. If I forget, they go down the drain. I get fired by me. I fire myself. I lose. So how can we forget? Where are your kids tonight? Where are they right now? Why are they not with you? 
why are you here in group? <laughs> you don't come to group. I remember I had one, one family that they didn't quite get, you remember this? They didn't quite exactly get the whole thing yet. They were it was in the beginning. And they said, oh, we had a big fight with my son. It was terrible. We were getting in the car to come to group. And then he wanted to borrow the car. And I said, no, I'm not giving you the car. I have to go somewhere. And then he said, no, but I need the car. And then he stole the keys and he ran down and he drove away and was so angry. I said, so you couldn't be nice to your kid because you had to come to group to learn how to be nice to your kid? <laughs> you know, it's like, no, we can't be nice to you now. We have to go find out how to be nice to you. <laughs> Give us back the car right now. Big, big fight. Okay, so some people don't exactly 100% get the whole thing. If you could be with your kid at 8 o'clock, you got to be with your kid at 8 o'clock. As long as you can. These are just temporary illness, right? It's a couple of years. I know, I know it feels very long, it's not. When you look back, you realize you have a special needs child. My son is now in Camp Shy, S-C-H-I, something like that, for six weeks, one-on-one with a special needs child. Now, I know you have to do it all year, and he only has to do it for six weeks, but he's mamish. That's his entire Yom of Alayla. There's no time off. He goes to sleep when the kid goes to sleep. The kid wakes up at night. He wakes him up. He's sending me pictures of him, Erev Shabbos, Matzah Shabbos, and his entire life is... You have a schus to take care of this special needs child. And by the way, knowing that he's never going to become unspecial needs. But still, you have a schus to take care of someone who needs help. Your kids, right, they actually can change. We know that the medicine is to love them. To love them and to spend time with them means to bond with them, to make v'nafshik, shura v'nafshik, which heals them in many, many ways. And also, also is the path back to Yerushalayim and to being Shemitari Mitzvahs and that's been proven over and over and over again so it's not just when I see him I'm not going to yell at him it's I'm going to look for ways to get through that wall and bond with him there is no kid okay no kid in the world that does not want to spend time with their parents now you're going to say that's not true he told me no I don't want to go with you that's weird it's weird to go to a whatever with your mother it's weird I don't want to go that means that they don't feel comfortable because we know based on experience the parents who do TP 100% consistently and good the kids are eating out of their hands they can't believe how this rebellious kid is such a mushball and I saw it with my own eyes as I always see it my mamish saw it with my own eyes this Shabbos there's a family that I know that I was with on Shabbos and they have a kip. Okay. When they came to me, this kip did not talk to them for two years. They didn't talk for two years. Okay. She's an atheist. She's full of piercings and tattoos. She was living with a goy. She was nabach nabach. And as a kid, by the way, she went to a fantastic school. And the, she was so good that the principal told the parents, these are like, she is like my ideal student. So something happened between ideal student and 17. And you can imagine that it wasn't pretty. Horrible, horrible trauma that she went through. Horrible. 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 There's no other way to describe it. Because nothing else does that. Nothing else takes a kid who's good, sweet, happy, loyal, wants to please, nice, sweet, and turns them into a monster who's out of control. So things were so bad with them that she didn't talk to them for two years. They came to me and I told them what to do. You know, all the opposite advice that they got until now. Enable. Enable. Be an enabler. You're going to enable her, and you're going to enable her, and then you're going to enable her, and you're going to enable her, and then you're going to enable her. 
and you're going to get into her kishkis, and they got a limousine, and they did crazy stuff, and they, it was amazing, amazing. And now this girl, over the last two years, became really able to trust her parents. And Friday night, I went outside, and I went for a walk. And I saw these parents walking, and this girl was walking with her mother, and she had her arm in her mother's arm, like under her mother's, how do you call that? Like, you know what I'm saying? Arm in arm. And she was leaning, like, against her mother's body, like, while her mother was, was walking. She was, like, almost cuddled. Okay. And she remained like that for three hours. They walked around where I was, walking around and around and around and around and stopping and talking and this. And the girl did not leave her mother's side cuddled under her, like in her mother's body. This is the big rebel that everyone said, throw her out of the house. This is the big rebel sleeping with a guy, with, with boys, and, and over everything in the world, right? And two years ago, she would have said, oh, I'm not spending time with you. I don't want it. And meanwhile, she's a chayla masukan. She was just a kid who once they proved full acceptance is a broken mush. Every weekend, every Shabbos, she's with her parents now. And she's constantly coming back. And the nafshei kshurub, a nafshei level, went from zero to mamish 100. The respirator is on. It's clear. They're spending as much time. Now, what did it cost them? Tremendous amount of money. Tremendous amount of time and effort. No question about it. But what do you do if a kid has and you don't have insurance? You don't go around the world collecting. You say, okay, we don't have a half a million dollars. Goodbye. No, you do everything you can and hope that it's going to save the kid and it's going to work. So yeah, this is not comfortable, it's not geschmack, but it mamish, you see the ruyakite, the house is calm, the other kids are fine, the parents un- really feel for this kid. They really, they're not angry at her anymore. They don't look down at her anymore. And she's margish, she feels that. The result of that is my favorite place in the world to be, my safe zone my safest place where I'm the most comfortable is around these people. You have to talk slow and low. Low and slow. You can't talk loud. You're in the psych ward. Your house is now psych ward. Okay, these people, they can't handle if you talk too fast. They can't handle if too many things are happening. They can't handle if there's tension, even if it's not directed at them. There's a lot of things to learn. They have a problem with light. They have a problem with noise. I was sitting next to a kid. There was a kid, a little baby crying, and this kid was going nuts. Now, there's no problem of blasting heavy metal music in their ears with the headphones that are so loud that people across the street can hear it. That's fine. You know why? Because that is causing them not to be able to think. That's turning off their brain. That's not annoying. That's... So you don't have to think. But if you're trying to think or you're trying to exist and there's this annoying... They are basically like people who are walking around with migraines. They can't tolerate light, sound, um, pressure, tensions, tension. If you're going to argue with each other, if you have to beat up another kid, you take the kid down the block and then you beat them up. You don't do it in front of a kid. And they want to see what is attractive to them. They want to see ava. They want to see compassion. They want to see that your kid, your other sibling, her other sibling, his other sibling, an eight-year-old makes a mistake, spills something, and Tati says, it's okay, I love you anyway. Medicine for the kip. Forget about for the eight-year-old. Medicine for the kip. Mommy, my parents are loving and compassionate. And 
truthfully, I thought that's what we were supposed to be. Isn't it saying somewhere that we're supposed to be like Rahmanim and Baishanim and Ramil Chasadim? But I guess not not to our family. What? Krachim al Banim. right? But but not not to our kids. Krachim on somebody else's banim. Or Rachmanim Gamli Chasadim, you open the door and a guy smells or whatever, you're so nice to them. A guy, it's stuck a guy, we do chesed, we're proud of it. Why can't you be, do chesed with your kids? Yes, you go over to the, to the other kid, right? You say, look, I told you not to do it, and you did it. You know what? I'm going to cut you some slack. Don't we like that when we're wrong and the officer pulls us over, and the officer says, you were speeding, you were going 85 <clears throat> instead of 55. You know what? It's your lucky day. Drive safely. Don't speed. What do you say? Oh, now I'm spoiled. I'm going to speed much more. No, you appreciate it. You say, well, that was a nice police officer. Or if he says, look, I got to give you a ticket. I'm really sorry. It hurts me to do that. I, I know, but you were speeding. So look, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give you six points. I'll give you two points. You know, I'll work with you. you. say, wow. Or even if he has to give you the full ticket, but he, he doesn't hate you. And then you have another cop with this attitude, like you're, like you're a, a disgusting person because you did this and that. Do you know you didn't this? Do you know you didn't? And we have parents doing that to little kids. I, I saw parents yelling at a kid, and then I looked at the kid. So the parent's going, and you knew that. I, I told you, don't manipulate me. You knew what you were doing. You said, and going through this whole thing, you're because you don't care about people, and you're manipulative, and you're selfish. That's what you are. You're selfish. And I asked you four times, and you knew exactly what you were doing. And then, I, and then I, the camera shifts. I look at the kid, and I, and I don't see a person there. So I look down. This is like seven-year-old little kid. I'm like, if you're a prosecutor in court, you know, prosecuting Jeffrey Dahmer, I, I got it. But this is like this little kid. He's a, he's a stupid kid. Let him be stupid. He made a mistake. I'm not saying not to punish. I'm not saying not to have. But there's a way. But when you torture them with overkill and venting on the kids. I got a call yesterday. I got so many calls yesterday. Hashem Yerachim. Mamash Hashem Yerachim. Mother calls me up. My daughter, my, my, my son cut off all contact from me. Cut off all contact from me. What's the story? I'm listening. Okay, well, so he's the son of my, I'm on my third marriage. My first um, marriage was like this. The second marriage I ended because my husband's uh, brother is the one who molested my son. So I had to end that so he shouldn't... I really did it for him, right? And he's a perfect, great kid. And I ended the marriage for him. Now, my third marriage now, my, my husband is in rehab. Okay, he's a, he's a drug addict, right? And now, I don't understand this kid, why he's not talking to me. He cut off all contact with me. So I'm saying, well, maybe was there any this or any that? He goes, okay, well, the truth is, look, he's my only stability in my life, this kid. You know, he's good and he's all the years... I, I live for him, and I was there for him, and he was there for me all the years. And, you know, I can't go. I'm going through so much that, yeah, I vented. I, I took it out on him. And I, and I, and I, I, I could be I went overboard. And, and I'm, I always vent on him, and I feel bad. I, I, I don't mean to. I'm like, Hashem Yerachim. This kid, his first father, I don't even remember how bad the story was. And, and oh, he doesn't talk. His father's dead to him. Okay, so that wasn't a good thing. Second one, he gets molested when he's a young kid by the brother and then has to transition to a third one who's a, who's a drug addict. In other words, this kid is like no chance of being normal. And the mother's like, I don't understand what, why he cut off from me. Uh, I beat him up once in a while. You know, I, it's only, I only stabbed him three times. You know, it's mamish crazy. So what do we see? We see that these kids are attracted to loving people. I had a kid at home, sweet home, and he shmad. 
at 13 years old, he was accept, uh, accepted to one of the best Masiftas in New York, Chesidah Masiftas. So at 13, when, when did he go to Masifta? 13, 14, right? He was great. By 17 and a half, he moved into Home Sweet Home. He already, in those three years, was in psych wards, rehabs, thrown out of his house. He shmad, and he was already done with being shmad. You know, he was ready after, you can imagine what happened in three years to this kid, from 14, 15, 16, 17, three years. And he told me he didn't, he finished shmat, shmatting. It was oiske shmat. I don't know what's, what's it called. <laughs> it was oiske shmat. And I said, what? I, I don't yeah. I said, what happened? He, Yashka couldn't save you either? <laughs> He's looking for salvation. I said, oh, J, Dr. J couldn't save you either. Looks like, and he came back. So he was all over the place. So when I met him, he was atheist. But I asked him the following question. What were you missing? What were you looking for? Why did you become Christian? You know what he told me? He said, whenever I saw a building that said, God loves you, it wasn't a shul. I thought to myself, look at this kid. He goes off to Derech at 14, 13, 14. Now, I don't know if the family knew, but he told me he went through tremendous sexual trauma starting at five years old. By 13, he had over 10 different... Um, partners or traumas and things. It was very, very messed up. Okay, the parents, I don't think, knew. He gets 14 years old, he gets thrown out of, uh, thrown out of yeshiva, deteriorates, goes Michal Shabbos on drugs, gets thrown out of home, okay, get super rejection over there. And so he's, he's nowhere, right? And he passes a building and it says, God loves you. And it's tzitim, it's pulling him. Why? Because he's a chelik elakami mao. He has a neshama. And we told him, you're done, kares. So I think, me personally, if I was rejected by Yiddishkeit, I would say, okay, no God. You know, I'm done with you, God. But his neshama didn't say that. His neshama says, I want to connect to God. All of a sudden, someone says, hey, I have a, I have a way for you to connect to God. He said, I'll take it. It was his neshama that was calling out. We said, we have no way for you to be accepted by Yiddishkeit. Also, he thought he was gay, which is, means that they know I'm done. I can't be part of this religion. He only thought he was gay because he was molested by men. But, and it's all part of the confusion. But the bottom line is, in our system, we let him slip through our fingers because when he did bad, they threw him out. So he knew in the Jewish religion, I can't connect. My cell phone cannot connect to the outlet with this, with this charger. And when he saw somebody that offered him a chance to connect to Hashem, any chance, I'm going for it. So I thought it was such a kiddush Hashem. As Mamish, such a kiddush Hashem that he went to Shmad because he didn't care about Yashka. Mamish, his neshama wanted to connect to Hashem. And they said, come here, we'll let you do that. We'll forgive you, we'll absolve you. They have such good shtick. I don't know why we don't come up with that. Uh, you're uh, not religious, it's okay, neither are we. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what it said. <laughs> and they'll do anything for business. They see they come from Jewish people, but they have this great thing. You sin, you come and you say, forgive me, Father. And he says, okay, eat a cracker, we're done. You know, it's great. And we should have definitely come up with that. The bottom line is, I felt his neshama was calling out and wanted to connect to Hashem. And how? Because it said, God loves you. Unfortunately, we don't say that enough. We don't give that impression. I tried writing GPS, Navigation for Your Soul, which is available. All fine books are sold. I can make my dollar twenty-five commission. And it says, God loves you, God loves Hashem loves you, Hashem loves you, the whole thing. And, and people, I got a lot of emails where people really, really enjoyed it. But they want to be around loving, nice, compassionate, not ofgeregt, nervous, anxiety-ridden people. 
So we have to become a psych ward. And when they see that we talk down about other people, it bothers them. Talk down about African-American community, they hate that. They always go for the underdog. In the Israeli conflict last year, we had many people that reported that their kids were rooting for Gaza, for Palestinians, because they felt that they were being abused, because they know what it's like to be abused. Bottom line is, Israel has might, so we're, we're going to go for the underdog. They don't want to hear you negative about Schwarzes, about Puerto Ricans, about rednecks. They don't appreciate it, unless they make the joke. Then it's okay, but not if you do. They want to see, I love God, I love God's creatures, I love creation, I'm happy. I love your mother. I love your father. You know, they want to see happiness and love. This is a good life. I like my shul. When you come home and you bared your shul, it's poison for these kids, probably poison for all kids, but they hate the negativity. When you're kanoi and I'm against this and I'm against, they hate it. When you hate the other, satmer hates the other satmer, all these kids are falling out of both satmers. Since the machlaikas and babav, there's a ton of babavers that are out in the street because they, they, they don't like machlaikas. And, they, and if you're above of a family and there's machlaikas and you don't like it, you really, it's not like you can go anywhere else. You're, that's it, you're done. It's a big, it's a chil Hashem. It's really a chil Hashem. So in this time, especially in the three weeks, you think about it, how much sinas chinam that we have. A guy came over to me in the pool on Friday. I like sharing current events. And he came over to me because I wished, I, I'm a, I think Ger would be embarrassed if I say I'm a Ger Chosid. So I'm not going to say that. But I'm connected to Ger. I'm undercover. And he comes up and he starts telling me, getting involved in Machlekes between the Ger Rebbe and Rav Steinman. And he starts saying this and that. A guy, a regular balabas. So I said, I, I don't know. I never asked about it. I have no idea what you're talking about. So he's going weiter and weiter. So I said, I never, he goes, don't tell me you don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You don't know what happened? I said, I never asked anybody. I, I heard something happen. It's, I said, there's a, uh, something I heard from Rick Lavoie. He said, there's an African, uh, what's it called, like a statement, right? It says, when elephants fight, the grass gets trampled. And we know that when big G'daylam fight, all the chesidim are the ones going to Gehenna. We don't belong there. He said, I have no idea what happened. No, no, no. And he tells me, Shmutz, that the guy Rebbe did something bad to Rav Steinman. I said, listen, I'm not interested. I just go somewhere else. He goes, well, it has to be, because you think Rav Steinman would fight with him if he didn't do something horrible? I said, look, it's not for us to get involved. Leave me alone. I, I, I'm Amish, like, and I, I went away from him. I felt so bad, so last night I sent him an email. I just want to let you know that I really don't think that we should be talking bad about any Jews, and especially about G'daylam. It's not my place. And remember, whatever you and I hear, it's not like we're on the Vad of Shalom, that we're gonna, where there's a Tayelis over here. It doesn't help. And whatever you heard is not second or third-hand information. It's 200th-hand information. Probably whatever you heard is definitely not true, just by the fact that you heard it. And who'd you hear it from? And it's such, you know, so this time, in the three weeks especially, and we've suffered so much from all of this. So really, we have to remember, we're Achmanim, Baishanim, Gadim, Chasadim. We want to be Makar of the kids by showing them that we have a good life. And that's part of what we do. And then when they're attracted to us, we bond with them. We look down with an Ayin Yafa, on other Jews, ayin toiva on other Jews. Al tadin es chavercha at shetagielim kaimai. Have I done es kala adam lekavschus? That's our job. It's our mission to go v'alachter bedracha. We'll end with this. You can go ahead, especially chasidim, before you mekayim and mitzvahs to say, you go to the mikveh. No, before you eat matzah, you go to the mikveh before yantiv. So you can go ahead, go to the mikveh, put on your gartel, 
How how could you be v'halachta? It's the same mitzvah as say as lulav, as tefillin, as mezuzah, as everything else. What's v'halachta b'drachum? The sefri says mahu rachum afata havei rachum. If you can look at a situation with rachmanus, you makayim a halachta b'drachum. You see a kid does something and it's wrong, and you say to him, you know what? Let me think about it. I feel bad for you. I know you had a hard day. Let me think about it. Even a regular kid, you can deal in life with rachmanus on people. And you makayim v'halachta b'drachav mahu rachum afata havei rachum. The Siva Shalom says that the lashon is mahu rachum afata havei rachum. It doesn't say just like God is merciful, you should act with mercy. So just like God is merciful, you should become merciful. Afata havei rachum. Work on yourself. In the beginning, it's an act. I want to kill him, but I can't because Avi will kill me. So I got to be nice. But then eventually, you become merciful. Your first blick, your first time that you see that your reaction, it's not that I want to kill her, but I, okay, I'm going to the bathroom to call Avi. I get all these calls from the bathroom. And I say, if you're not sure what to do, just say, ow, on my stomach, I'll deal with it later. I'll deal with it later. Calm down, relax, call me, relax, everything will be fine, right? There was a parent that called me a few years ago, 2 o'clock or 2.30 in the morning, to tell me I'm throwing my daughter out of the house. That's it, Ad Khan. We're ready to sing the Ad Khan song. Ready, we're done. So I told him, okay, hang on, I hear you. But it doesn't have to be now. Go to sleep, get up in the morning, go give, learn, give your shear, eat lunch, call me, Benaz Dharam tomorrow. No, but it doesn't need to be now. You can wait. Right? I didn't say wait a week. I didn't say wait a month. I didn't say don't do it. Calm down. And when you calm down, you find that there's other solutions and there's always another way. You give more medicine. When you give more medicine to the chayla, they get better. They get better. You don't have such problems so often. And that's what TP is all about.